Josh, <laughs> Josh, don't go out of the bottle, man. You're going to get people sick. This is my bottle. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I got. All right. All right. Cheers, guys. I took that shot like a four-year-old and half of it went down into my beard. Yep. Four-year-olds don't have beards. Or drink whiskey. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'll, I'll be fine. How old's your grandpa now? 96. He'll be 97 in June. We'd love to try to get him on here someday. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. I think he would sit in a room and talk. That's what I'm doing. Find out his favorite board game, and let's make this happen. His favorite board game is probably like World War II. (laughs) (laughs) Not the board game, but the actual (laughs) Axis and Allies. Yeah. Back in my day, when we were bored, we played war. Doubt came in my mind. As I'm sure it's coming to yours. Even one to ponder about. Welcome to the show, everyone. We're the Board Game Social Club. Yes, we are. Nailed it. (laughs) What is the Board Game Social Club, AJ? Well, we're a social club, and we play board games, and then we talk about them together with you. Today, we're going to talk about Pandemic. Yes. Very very (laughs) convenient game to be playing in these dire times. Yeah, definitely. I think we should talk a little bit about that, to be honest. But first, I want to introduce you to our other co-host making his debut appearance, Mr. Mm. Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You, this is going to be. Have this is your show it? now. After yeah. this, it's it's our show. It's all of us, right? Yes, we are the awesome. social club. It's really a social. club with three people. Three people. You really need three people <laughs> for a club. True. Otherwise, yeah, that's true. That's true. What have we been doing up till now? <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know what are we were called before. Two right. dudes in a board game. Two. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now we're a club. Now we're a club. We got the frilly toothpicks and everything. <laughs> I got my umbrella. Josh, why don't you uh, introduce one of us? Oh, this is my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my buddy AJ, right I across guess. here, whom you know. Yeah, we've talked hey, a lot yeah. about my beard and my really cool um, theater degree. Musical theater. To put me on the spot. Musical theater. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a theater degree, you might as well sing about it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, last but not least, Robert Birdo Trumbull on the fix. (laughs) That's me. Robbie plays drums. Yeah. If you'll notice that song on the intro... Oh, that was actually doing those this. are I my drums. It had to come out at some point. I didn't think it was gonna. Uh, I really was hoping it wasn't gonna. Yeah, yeah. If you've recognized that voice, that's your that's your third favorite co-host, AJ, that's on the, the vocals. Musical. The musical. <laughs> that's the musical theater part. part. When you're 15 years old. 
you know, Josh plays drums way better than me, for the record. Josh but never on tape and never for an intro. <laughs> yeah. Yet. That's Stay true. tuned. Let's all three of us redo the intro. That that would make me happy. A remake? We're gonna cut Rory out? Well no, no he's gonna come I in. just meant as old as older people, you know. Like Rory can come play the guitar. All right. Well, yeah, so we're gonna talk about pandemic today, and it's really interesting. I'm gonna I wanna put this on the record for history's sake. Uh, we are all we are not in the same room right now. We are for, all um, in very different places, right? For a very important reason. Anybody want to talk about that important social reason? Distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. Yeah, yeah. We got We're a we got an actual in the in the, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, if you yeah. will. What's the date today? It Today's is the 29th of March, March two thousand. Yeah, when we're recording. This will be so you can look that up twenty years later when we're still wildly popular on the airwaves. You can look up <laughs> you know what was going down today, this day in history. And yeah, yeah. we're all uh, sheltering in place. So that's true. Super fun. Makes recording a bit challenging, but here we go. Josh, are you sheltering in place at this point? Stay at home order. I mean Are you? I'm here today. Because I don't feel good. All right, I, home, I, I did my part. I don't feel well, so I I went ahead and did the responsible thing and stayed home today. Well, you don't feel well. Do you have the COVID nineteen virus? Un, I don't know. It takes too long to tell. It's true. Time will tell. They. You look a little sweaty. Do you have a fever? No. It's probably just the whiskey and the stomach problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> if I were gonna um, take a guess, but. Uh, no, I luckily have a nice medical helper who has been taking my temperature and making sure I do not have any of those signs. And so, so far, no, I'm, I'm good. No problems except for just some, some tummy rumbles. Tummy rumbles. <laughs> tumbles. Some trumbles. Some trumbles. <laughs> That's funny because Robbie's last um, name is Trumble. We you don't know that because we just call him Robbie, but I think you said my whole name when you introduced me. What Birdo? Birdo. Oh, you're Trump. right. I did. Yeah. Usually we ha- we haven't been. I forgot. Josh is uh, Courtney part of the the social club yet? Did you play Pandemic with her this time? She did has wa- she has watched me play, but she's Got still it. not 100 percent in on wanting to play. We were gonna play yesterday, but then I didn't feel very well, so. We didn't, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna. Nice. I nice. played with my wife and my parents last night, and it was it was a good time. Yeah, I've been playing um, Legacy, actually, season one, which we'll I'll talk just a little bit about, but same ideas, pandemic, but same, been same playing a creator. lot of pandemic. Is that true? Same creator, yeah. Gotcha. Yep, same creator, same game, but just a few different, a few different things. Cool. I don't want to get into it just yet. I'm going to hold that. It's a suspense moment. Hold it. We teased it. Teaser. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's jump in, shall we? Let's get to this game description. Cue the music, please. I don't actually play the music, Josh. Okay. I was going to say. Let's imagine it. It This is a little little music by a little band called Theodora. (laughs) That was AJ. Just kidding. No, we just get going. Yeah, and you just yeah. jump right in. Jump it. All right. 
Phones at the CDC in Atlanta are ringing off the hook. Inundated with calls of sickness, disease, and death spreading across the earth, our world is falling victim to four deadly virulent diseases. You and your team of specialists have to been tasked with traveling the world in order to help heal and cure the disease before society goes into full-on pandemic. Epidemics will sprout up and cause a once clean city to be overrun with the plague. Players have to balance keeping the illnesses under control with finding the cures before time runs out. If players are able to cure all four diseases in time and keep the outbreaks under control, they will win the game. If not, the world is destroyed and humanity loses. Nice. Nice description. Let's get into a couple of basic facts about pandemic before we get into some physical descriptions. Um, Pandemic's an award-winning board game that was published by Z-Man Games in 2008. It's a co-op game for two to four players and recommended for ages eight and above. In my experience, an average game takes between 45 minutes and about an hour and a half, depending on some variables. And you can pick this game up just about anywhere for about 35 bucks, maybe up to 40 bucks, somewhere in there. All right, well, I want to draw everybody's attention to our Instagram page, a lot of this board game description is really, really difficult to do just by listening. So if you want to get a an idea of what this game looks like as we're describing it, uh, go on over to our Instagram or our Facebook page and you can find some pictures there. So our Instagram handle is um, at board game social club, all with underscores separating the words. And our Facebook page is at bgsc podcast and then you can just search for board game social club um you can find it that way so find one of our social media outlets if you want some pictures to go along with your your description here so getting into the physical description board game is a a typical rectangular board game unfolds nicely um and on that board you have you know kind of like your laid out map of the world Uh, And on that, you have a network of 48 cities regionally spread out. There are spaces for your player decks, your infection decks, your diseases, uh, outbreak counter, and your infection rate counter. Yeah, and there's going to be a bunch of accessories that go with this particular game. And maybe two of the most important to understand right now are the two decks of cards. The first one's the infection deck. It's going to be made up of 48 cards representing each city on the game board. These cards are going to cause infections and potential outbreaks in the various cities at the end of each and every turn. And the second deck of cards is the player deck. Three types of cards make up this deck, 48 city cards, five event cards, and six epidemic cards. Now the city cards are color coordinated to represent the four diseases. They're both collectible, which will be used to cure diseases, and playable, which can be used to travel and build with. The event cards are one-time events that will help you to do things like travel and bypass infection and mitigate the inevitable epidemics. Just as a note about city and event cards, this is a co-op game. Therefore, these cards are kept face up on the table for all team members to see. And last but not least, the epidemic cards will be randomly yet somewhat evenly spaced throughout the player deck. And these epidemics will increase the infection rate, fully infect one random city, and intensify the spread of the disease in those cities, which are already showing signs of infection. I'm going to talk about roll cards and the pawns that go along with them. So each person in this game takes on a different character role, all themed around roles that would be important to an actual pandemic. Each player receives a roll card explaining the character's special abilities and a pawn that matches the color of the roll card. 
These pawns will be placed on the board to represent the location of the character at any given time throughout the game. Other important parts are going to be research stations. Uh, and they're in particularly important because that is where you will do your curing disease. Uh, and they also allow for some different types of travel and um, to mitigate moving across the nation. Physically, they just look like little white buildings, sort of look like a white Monopoly hotel. Um, but they are very important. The other thing that they come with are these disease cubes. Um, they're used as markers for infection. The game uses a series of four different colored cubes, one for each infection. You have red, blue, yellow, and onyx, or fancy black, to mark current infection levels in the city. And there's 24 disease cubes of each color. The last few accessories to note are the cure markers. There are four of these to represent the four diseases, and they'll help you keep track of which ones you've cured and which ones you've eradicated. The infection rate marker and the outbreak markers, these do just what they sound like they do. Um, the infection rate marker helps you keep track of the infection rate, and the outbreak marker helps you keep track of the outbreak level. And last but not least, there are reference cards for each player. These act as little cheat sheets to help you remember all of your options when it comes to doing your four actions um, during your turn. I'm gonna describe the layout of the playing space. So to describe the layout of the playing space, each player will have their playing space in front of them where they will keep their roll card, a generic action card, and any player cards that are in their hand at the time. You'll start with two, three, or four player cards depending on how many players are in the game. Around the board in no particular location, you're gonna place the piles of disease cubes as well as a pile of the research stations. The board will be set up with a research station in Atlanta to start, which is the location of the CDC, and all of the initial disease cubes uh, based on the, the sort of rules around placing disease, disease cubes initially. There will be three random cities with three cubes, there'll be three random cities with two cubes, and finally three random cities with one cube. Finally, the player deck, infection deck, outbreak marker, and infection rate marker will all be placed in their appropriate spots. The disease vials, which Josh talked about, will also be placed in their respective positions below the picture of the disease that matches them. Josh, why don't you take us through a turn overview? Okay, on any turn, a player gets up to four actions to try and advance their team's progress. Using one action, a player can do any of the following. They can travel, which there are four methods of travel that we'll get into in a minute. Build a research center, treat a disease cube, they can share knowledge or cure a disease. So the second step in everyone's turn is going to be to draw two player cards. Now, if you draw a city card or an event card, then you're just going to add them to your hand and move on to the discard phase, which basically means that if you have more than seven cards, you have to discard. If, however, you draw one of the epidemic cards, you're going to need to buckle up because it's about to go down. First, you're going to start by increasing the infection... <laughs> Sorry, my thought. <laughs> Sorry, I thought. God damn it. I thought. <laughs> I thought I was muted. I was trying my to make bad. it. My bad. It's cool. I'll redo it. I loved it. I loved it. It was. It, it felt good. If, however, you draw one of the epidemic cards, buckle up because it's about to go down. You need to start by increasing the infection rate. Next, draw from the bottom of the infection deck and fully infect this city. Lastly, intensify the infection deck by shuffling the discard pile and placing it back on top of the deck. 
So the last step of your turn is always going to be the infect city step where you're going to draw some infection cards um, and infect those cities. And we're going to get more into detail about all those things here in the mechanics of the game section. So that's where we're going to go next. So uh, the big thing that we talked about in your turn is going to be travel. And traveling is essential in pandemic. It takes up a lot of times three or all four of your moves for your turns. Um, and so whether you're treating disease, building research stations, or trying to share information with your other specialists, knowing the most efficient way to get where you want to go is vastly important. And only getting four actions, again, can hamper things if you spend them all ferrying from city to city. So there are four different ways players can travel, all of which use one action to do. So a player can move from one city to an adjacent city, which is known as ferrying, head to a remote city via direct flight, and you do that by discarding the city player card of the city you are flying to. Or you can also charter a flight, which is very similar to a direct flight, but you discard the player card of the city you are currently in, and then you can travel to any other city. Or if you're in a city with a research station, you can do what's called shuttling, and a flight to any other city that also has a research station can be done without having to play either a player card or any card for those cities. As another action on your turn, you can build research stations. You may build a research station in any city that you are in by playing the card for that city. Keep in mind that there are only six total research stations available, so choose your locations wisely. Another thing you can do during your turn is treat disease. To do this, you're going to remove one disease cube from the city that you are in. But if this color has been previously cured, you can remove all cubes of that color with one single action. I'm going to talk about sharing knowledge. One of the most important yet tedious things you will have to do in this game is share knowledge in order to discover a cure. In game terms, this means handing off cards from one player to another. In order to do this, both characters must be in the city that matches the card they are passing off. Sharing knowledge counts as one of the four actions, and the active player can either give the card to or take the card from the inactive player located in that same city. This action is modified by the researcher player role to make things a little bit easier. I'm also gonna talk about curing diseases. You can't win the game unless you cure each disease. You can perform the cure action if your pawn is at a research station and you have five player cards, unless you're the scientist and then you only have to use four. Um, you have to have the cards that match the color of the disease that you wanna cure. You perform the cure disease action by discarding the five cards and then sliding the respective disease vial into the cured position, which means covering up the picture of that disease. I'm also gonna talk about eradicating. So once you've cured a disease, it can still cause infections and outbreaks in cities. The only way to stop this from happening is by eradicating the disease. In order to eradicate, you must clear all of the disease after the cure has been found. As soon as that happens, you flip the disease vial over to the side that has the circle with the line through it. After that, the disease is completely removed from the game. You do not need to do this to win the game. Within the player deck are special event cards that provide additional help to the specialists. Resilient population is one, and it allows for one of the discarded infection cities to be removed from the deck entirely, allowing that city to be unaffected from further infection draws. Airlift. That allows a player to move any player to any city. One quiet night, and that'll take away the infection draw for that turn. And government grant, and that is a card that allows a research center to be built in any city. So on your turn, the third stage you're going to have is to infect cities. And this entails 
drawing the proper number of infection cards as depicted by the infection rate. You're going to add one cube to each city that corresponds with the cards that you draw. If this will be the fourth cube in that city, then you have just triggered an outbreak. All right, let's get into outbreaks. If at any point in the game, you would be forced to add a fourth cube to a city, instead of adding the fourth cube, the city has an outbreak. To do this, you place a cube of the outbroken disease in every city that is connected to the outbroken city. If any of those cubes would add a fourth cube, a chain reaction outbreak occurs and you repeat the process. Every time an outbreak occurs, even if it's from a chain reaction, you move the outbreak marker forward by one. Well, I hope you remain buckled up because like AJ said, epidemic cards are the top of the roller coaster just before you hit that first drop. An epidemic card causes a severe outbreak in the infection city and you draw that from the bottom of the infection deck. So you're guaranteed a new city drawn. The city drawn will get three disease cubes then immediately added to that city and the city card you just drew will then be shuffled in with the current discard pile and you place that pile back on the top of the deck. What this does is drastically increase the odds of an outbreak occurring in that next infection draw. Sometimes if you don't have a lot of discarded infection city cards, you might want to think about using those event cards like the one Silent Night to try to avoid a costly outbreak. After an epidemic card is played and the city is infected, the team moves the infection rate up, and this corresponds with the number of infection cards you then draw on the next turn. So that's going to basically wrap up specific game mechanics. Um, there's a lot to take in there, but this is definitely a game that is going to just be simpler as you see it played. So let's get into just running down the methods for determining the winner or loser. And specifically in this game, it's kind of crazy because it's a co-op game. So you're either all the winner or all the loser. So there is only one task to complete in order to win the game, and that is to cure all four diseases. Robbie talked about that. You just turn in the five cards for each color and that cures diseases. So you got to do all four in order to win. And there are actually three ways to lose the game before the four diseases are cured. One, run out of disease cubes for any one color. Two, run out of player cards. And three, sustain an outbreak for an eighth time. All right, the last thing I want to do before we just dive into some fun conversation is I want to talk about other games that have been released in this series. So I'm going to start with expansions, which uh, add things like challenges, roles, different event cards, certain maps and stuff like that. But so you have to have the base game for these. So there's one called On the Brink, which was released in 2009. There's one called In the Lab which was released in 2013. And then there's one called State of Emergency, which was released in 2015. Then there's a bunch of standalone games. Uh, there's the 10th Anniversary Edition, which was released just a couple years ago in 2018. Uh, it comes in a cool metal case. kind of looks like a first aid kit. Then there's one called Rapid Response, which was released yeah, last that. year That's in 2019. Cool. Yeah, and it plays in real time, apparently. So there's like a timer and when the timer goes off, you just have to like move on with things. It's not like the base game. Um, so that one, that seems cool. Wow. Then there's one that's actually dice-based, which was released in 2014 called The Cure. I don't know a lot about that one, but the idea of it being dice-based kind of sounds like a, is a little intriguing. Um, and there's an expansion for that one called Experimental Meds, which was released a couple years after that in 2016. Then there's one called Reign of... Cthulhu released in 2016. This game seems to involve aliens from what I could from what I could tell. Yeah, I actually went down a little bit of a rabbit hole when I saw that because I thought, well, what the heck is Cthulhu? Right. And uh what'd you find out? Well, it turns out that 
a fellow wrote a book about it, um, and it is a alien titan that lives and slumbers under the city of, I believe it would be pronounced really, really. It's like R apostrophe Ely. <laughs> nice. Sounds about right. Really? Yeah. So it's uh yeah, it is about aliens and and that one did seem to spark my curiosity what that game may be about. Sounds cool. Nice. Yeah, then there's another one called Contagion which was was released in 2014 and apparently you kind of flip the whole game on its head and you take on the roles of the diseases. So it's still co-op but you take on you're the disease instead of the people. So Whoa. that's kind of cool. That is weird. Yeah, so those are all the standalone actually those are all the standalone games with a little star because there's actually a different thing also. Uh, but then there's legacy games, which I didn't really realize was like a, a whole category of games. I thought it was called Pandemic Legacy, but apparently legacy games are like a thing. Did you guys know that? No. So you can play like Monopoly Legacy? Right, exactly. There's okay. actually a Risk Legacy. Interesting. And those those would just be games that have a continual gameplay yeah, exactly. So a legacy game is one that kind of like unfolds as you play it. So it's almost like a story. And so every time you play cool. something changes or you find out more information or something like that. So um, Pandemic has two of those. There's a season one, which actually comes in a red and blue. And it was the first one released in 2015. Um, and I don't know, I couldn't find a difference between red and blue. I think they're exactly the same but they're just two different boxes. So if you want to play it twice, I guess, and you don't want the same exact game, maybe you buy the blue one. I don't know. But they're they're not different from what I could tell. And then there's a season two, which was released in 2017. Um, the last one that I found, there's this, there's this whole sort of category of pandemic games called the Survival Series. Um, and these are the, this is where I went down a red. Did you guys look into these at all by chance? No, Did I see this. No, I actually didn't even see this on the list yeah so these there's three of them right now let me just talk about them first so one's called iberia in 2016 one's called rising tide in 2017 and one's called fall of rome in 2018 so notice they're released just like back to back right um these games are games that are released uh to coincide with the city and location of this thing called the pandemic survival world championships. So there's actually like a competition that is called pandemic survival. It's the pandemic survival series. They do like regional tournaments and then you go on to national tournaments and then you have like a world championship. And every year that they do a world championship, they make a game based on the location of the world championship. And so rather than playing on the whole map of the world, you just play in like a regional map apparently crazy that's awesome. so that's yeah cool. so i went i wouldn't like looked into this more because i was like oh, what is this like survival series um and you you sit you have teams of two and you play a game that's set up for you so you play against like i don't know how many other teams you play against um but let's say four teams so it's four teams of two and everybody has the same exact game set up so like your player deck is set up exactly the same for every game um Everybody has the same roll cards. All, all the things are the same. Then um, there's one uh, infection deck that they use, and they draw cards from that deck for everybody's game. So oh. at the same time, you like infect for everybody. 
Okay, That's that, cool. that makes yeah. more sense. I was wondering how that part would how 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 you could do that part of it and not have it be random for everybody. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It would be, that's really it's like neat. one. So then um, every, every turn that you take is timed. So I think it was like two minutes for the first turn. Then it's like a minute and 45 seconds or something or a minute and 15 seconds for the following turns. But if you don't get whatever you want done in your turn done, the game, it just stops. And then they draw the cards for everybody. And if you get done before the time is up, you wait and then they draw the cards for everybody. So they like advance the game um at the same pace for every single team and then you're either the last team standing and you win that way or you're the first team to find all four cures and you win that way so there's like a a little there's like a whole tournament sounds like the most fun you could ever have playing pandemic that that sounds like a really really good time yeah so sounds like a good time anywhere (laughs) like like at a at a bar night or whatever that sounds, totally. you know, oh, yeah, like karaoke or geek games or whatever. I can't right. <laughs> like, uh, what's it called? Trivia. Though? What is trivia nights? Yeah. There's one in Longmont or geeks who drink. Geeks who drink. Geeks who drink. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all the different expansions and different versions I've found. Um, so yeah, pretty fun. There's a whole wide world of pandemic. It's that's it's awesome. bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Bigger, bigger than I thought it was. And I looked into it extensively (laughs) (laughs) nice um if you are curious about those for anybody listening or for you guys even um there's a on their website you can find the survival series and they have information about like finding a local tournament and all that stuff apparently there's one going on oh well probably not going on currently but right going to happen uh, when all this covid19 stuff goes away captain trips you only need a team of two trips yeah pretty awesome all right, um, let's uh, let's talk about a couple of different topics that I think would go really well with this game. Let's talk about our favorite parts of the game. Uh, Josh, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to start with you. What's your favorite favorite part of this game? I think my favorite part is the roles and getting a new role and how that that works out and trying to figure out where your role fits in to to the schemes. I th- I think the role part of it and having the different roles is my favorite part. Nice. That that part is really cool because we've discussed before that certain roles work really well with other roles and that just kind of adds like a super fun like layer to the whole thing. You know, like the the medic or or the quarantine specialist might not act the same if they don't have like their partner there, you know, where they act really well with them. You know, if they don't have that person there then, you know, they're maybe not as strong or the game just goes a little differently. So yeah. Yeah, that's what about, true. What about you, Rob? Um, my favorite part of this game, I'd never played a co-op game before I played Pandemic ever in my life. I didn't know they existed, to be honest. Um, I thought board games were like you versus everybody else, and they were the whole classic situation where you kind of like get angry at people because they they screw you out of what you're trying to do, and there's like a winner and a loser and all that stuff. And so Pandemic for me was the very first co-op game I had ever experienced. So I would have to say my favorite part of this game is just turning board games around a little bit and making them into that that co-op situation, you know. Nice. I I think I would choose co-op too. I th- I'll I'll just piggyback a little bit um as we've um 
as we've discussed in the other other episodes, I'm definitely kind of a strategy junkie, and I definitely love what that does to this game as like a co-op game. You know, being able to not just be inside your own head with your own strategy sort of versus your opponents, but being able to sort of discuss out loud how you want to handle things is just really, really fun um, in this game. And you have some like disagreements or disputes about the way you want to like approach things, but um, just being able to figure that out as a team is really, really fun and pretty unique to, to this game and just co-op games in general. Yeah, definitely. That actually brings up kind of a, pretty big like i have a lot of fun with this game and i agree with you i i am pretty into strategy and i like the the challenge of of trying to figure out the best strategy um but i've definitely played a couple of games of this where like where the the people that you're playing with aren't as into strategy uh maybe we could talk a little bit about that you know have you guys had that experience i guess you can imagine it but have you have you had that experience? I'm trying to think. Well, no, I haven't. Mainly because of how I've been playing the game. But <laughs> um, that's actually pretty interesting. There's we didn't talk about that with the different variations of the game. Yeah, totally. That's true. How have you been playing the game, Josh? I have been playing on Xbox um, awesome. by myself, <laughs> and it is a very different gameplay. Um, mainly because a lot of it is not as random as the board game. So you Mm. choose your role and you choose, I mean, if you're a one player, you choose your team essentially. So I have gotten fairly a good, a good amount of playing with different teams and different cards and not always having the same ones. Um, So I can see where like certain roles don't necessarily play into a lot of strategies uh, just based mm-hmm. on the lack of what they can h- helpfully do. Um, yeah. So like personally, I would think the dispatcher role who he can move, you know, he can move people from any, any place on his turn. Um, there's not much strategy to being that guy. It's more helping everybody with their strategy or an over you know, like using yeah. other people's strategy to help. That's but true. if you're the medic, then yeah, your strategy is vastly different than. So again, I, I, I think I could see where people wouldn't have a strategy, but I can also see that it's very difficult to come up with a strategy on your own. Like you definitely need the help of the other people you're playing with. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, I mean, the way that I've played a few times is is almost like not even thinking about each character as like your own character and like your strategy, but more like we are like three people who have these three characters to sort of manipulate however we want. Um, and that's another really cool thing about this game where it lends itself to like if you are with one other person and you just really feel like playing a four person game. Like you can just do that, you know, like, or even by yourself, like you can just mastermind like a four player game um, and just utilize each character and sort of think about it like that. So um, yeah, that's a really cool, that's a really cool part of this game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a game where you can sit down and everybody has their role and then it's like, 
and then it's Josh's turn and Josh just goes and <laughs> doesn't discuss it with anybody like doesn't you know doesn't say anything just kind of does his own thing it's not really a game like that so right i could see how some people would really hate this cuz board games in general when you you can it's it's kind of isolating but it, traditionally you just have your own strategy it's in your head you play it out as you as you will maybe you mess it up maybe you don't you know it works out for you or it doesn't but in this case you have to talk to everybody else to make mm-hmm. this game work so Absolutely. if you're if you're not into that then this is not this is not your game right just Very really joking. quickly before um we move on that like one other like little aspect that's kind of like goes along with this is like it allows you to sort of like shift people in and out a little bit. So we played a four person game last night where like one of the people got a phone call and they were like gone for 15 minutes, but we were sort of all acting as like a team who were just sort of like collectively moving these other four characters around the board. So when they were gone, we just all like the three remaining people just took the turn, you know, like we just decided what they were going to do. Um, and they were able to leave, you know, if someone needs to like go to the bathroom or like go handle your five month old or like whatever you need to do, the game can kind of keep going. Um, and that was really fun. It made for like literally like a, even though we were kind of all in and out last night, like it made for like a 45 minute game, you know, and it didn't need to just like halt at every time everyone needed to like walk away. Nice. That's awesome. Did you play with four people? Was was that the start? Yeah, yeah it was, it was four people. Um, but yeah, a lot of things going on. Um, so we were all kind of like in and out a little bit. I mean, I wasn't, I sat there the whole time, but a lot of other people were in and out. <laughs> so let's talk about what our favorite roles are, because the roles are so important and they play such a huge part in whether you win this game or whether you lose and how it all plays out. So let's talk about that. But first, maybe we should discuss what the roles actually are. Nice. Maybe why don't you get us started? Let's start with the contingency planner. As an action, take any discarded event card and store it on this card. And then when you play the stored event card, you remove it from the game. So basically any event card that's played, his special ability can rem- you know take it back and use it again. And you can only do this once and then you know that card is gone. The quarantine... Sorry, what? Worst roll. Worst roll. <laughs> worst roll? Oh, worst yeah. roll. Got it. Sorry, I was missing it. I, for some reason, I was thinking dice. I was like, "What the fuck?" Worst roll. Um, <laughs> he gets one extra card. What I know. I love. About? I actually. I don't. I don't know that I have too much of an opinion on strong versus weak, but I think he's one of the more fun guys to play with. So, just my little opinion there. All right, the quarantine specialist. Prevent disease cube placements and outbreaks in the city you are in and all the cities connected to it. Um. I think this is definitely like in the runnings for most powerful role. And in my opinion, she is in that running versus the medic, which I will also read for you. Um, You may remove all cubes of one color when doing a treat disease. So instead of having an action take away one cube, you actually treat all cubes of one color in a certain city when you do that treat action. And then also you automatically remove cubes from cured diseases from the city that you are in just by being there. Um, So if you fly there or travel there, they automatically leave. And then you also prevent them from being placed there as well. So that's those three. So if you were the medic and you had the red 
disease cured and you needed to move and you just you could have probably just eradicate the reds just by moving slowly through right exactly yeah through. you just take your actions and you just travel through and they just eradicate and it just makes I the game like so much easier reference to a game we played recently but maybe not i think i so. can't think of I, I, can't think. I was just wondering i was yeah, just wondering that's, if that's that situation arose if <laughs> by chance we could have maybe won instead of lost by doing something else um, what other so did we get all through all the roles? No, let's no, we did three. Josh, do, do the next four, please. So, the next ones we got are going to be the operations expert. And the operations expert may, as an action, either build a research station in his current city without having to use a card, or once per turn, he can move from a research station to any city by discarding any city card. Uh, we also have the dispatcher, and the dispatcher, as an action, can move any pawn. If its owner agrees to any city containing another pawn, or he can move another player's pawn if its owner agrees as if it were his own. So that's why I was saying it's kind of helpful because if you need to go a long way, he can use his turn to help you get there. Yeah. Another role we have is the researcher, which is a fairly powerful role. And when doing the share knowledge action, the researcher can give any city card from her hand to another player in the same city as her without this card having to match the city they're in. So typically when you are sharing knowledge, you have to be in the same city as the card you are trading, but the researcher can actually give up any of her cards in her hand to anybody who is in the same city. And then... The scientist is our last role that we'll get into. And the scientist is pretty powerful because scientists only needs four cards, not five cards to cure a disease. Well, I think I, I have a couple in mind. My, my, I think my, my favorite one or the most powerful one that I like to play with is the quarantine specialist. Um, I think that it's so important because outbreaks and infection phases and all that tend to like sort of mushroom out and just create wide problem areas pretty quickly. And she is just so helpful to like stick right in the middle of that. Um, yeah. So I think that's the most powerful to me. I, um, and one of my favorites to use, and just as a quick runner up, cause I know that there's some, there's some haters out there on the contingency planner. Wait, I'm, I'm going to hate a little, I'm going to play devil's advocate on the, on the quarantine oh, specialist. Oh, please do. All right. Yeah. I think the quarantine specialist, I I think that their downfall is that they're only one character. So you decide to place the quarantine specialist on like a three three cube spot to protect it or around it. And you you on purpose don't go take care of the three cubes because the quarantine specialist is there. And then in the quarantine specialist's next move, they get away from them. And now you have a, a danger zone because you decided not to take care of it. Well, on that quarantine specialist move, they can take care of those three cubes. They still get like a yeah, turn. But they still use their, yeah, they still use an action to do that though. So maybe you could use them elsewhere if you had that extra action. That's true. You're saying like, as soon as a problem area breaks out, it sort of like pigeonholes the quarantine specialist in one spot and doesn't allow you to use them in other places. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put what I was trying to say. Oh, well, good that's job. just a shitty argument and... What? I think I win. <laughs> well, the other problem with that is that there could be, I mean, you start the game with three hotspots, right? Of, of 
spaces that have three cubes. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, the quarantine specialist can only hit one of them. And so there are other ones. Well, that's true. But, but I wasn't even thinking about the quarantine specialist needing to go to like just a single city with three cubes. I was more thinking like when a city like Hong Kong has an outbreak and there's three cubes there, plus like every surrounding city has one or two or three, then all of a sudden that's like when it's like pretty vital to go like stop that spread from happening. Right. So yeah, a little later. No, right. your opinion has been noted. Thanks, Robbie. That's a, I mean, that's the thing about this game in general is that there are there are pluses and minuses to every single thing you do. You sure. Know? So it's kind of fun to think through those. Yeah, for sure. All right. What's your number two? Oh, I was just going to give a quick um, runner up to the contingency planner because I've heard multiple people say they don't really like it and it's kind of a weak card. But I think the ability to play event cards twice, especially late game, when say you have like one silent night, you know, that helps you, it, it, uh, causes you to skip the infection stage. If you can use that twice late game, I think that can like literally make the difference between winning and losing. So I think that guy can be pretty cool, pretty fun to play with. I agree. He's definitely a late game hero. Well, I'm the person I think that you're talking about AJ, when you talk about like people are normally haters on this guy. One, I hate one of guy. them. Yeah. One of them. My wife, yeah. another one. <laughs> I mean, if I have three roles, if I'm playing with a three-player game or a four-player game and I have four roles, I don't want to waste one of them on this guy. I want to. I want more powerful people, personally. Yeah, I don't think he's but, one of the most powerful. No argument there. I will say the game that we played the other night uh, was probably the first game that I had played where we utilized him, I think, in a good way. I just think he's crappy because to use his power, it costs you a move it costs you an action and you don't get to use like every other character. When you use their special power, you just use an action that everybody else has, but you do it better. And that's a really big blanket statement. But for most of them, I would like the like take the medic, for example, you get to cure, but you cure three cubes instead of one. So you get to do what somebody else can do, but just better, you know? So you don't waste an action. Whereas with the contingency planner, you have to you have to use an action to pick up a card. Um, That's true. When otherwise you could be doing something else. Yeah. The other thing I don't like about him, just quickly, is his his ability is wasted if there's not an event card in the deck. So if you go a few turns and you haven't even played an event card in a while, you're just sitting there, kind of like he, he doesn't even have a special power like the entire time while you're waiting for an event card to even be played. So you can waste, you know a good part of the game without him doing anything for you before a, a card is even played. So I'm kind yeah, of, that's true. I'm that's like a, mildly that, with you. That's a huge negative. <laughs> I mean, it's a minor negative. We're going to label I mean, it. those cards are really powerful though. So I, I'll give him that the cards, the event cards are super powerful and can have a profound effect on the outcome of the game. And so to be able to use them twice is, I mean, that's not nothing by any means. Right. Well, now that you've agreed with me, what is your uh, what's your favorite <laughs> role to play with? All right, my favorite roles, I would say number one is the dispatcher. I think that is the most I think that is almost like a cheating character because it's so hard to move around the board and being able to move around the board is is so crucial to this game that the dispatcher just opens up the entire world. To be able to the, specifically to be able to take one pawn to another pawn, yeah, I agree. Is 
huge. I mean, you can make people exchange cards. You can make people cure diseases where they may not, may have not been able to do that before, um, or treat diseases or whatever. Like moving a pawn to a pawn specifically feels like a like almost like a cheating move. I agree, especially if you pair them up with that researcher card where they can trade multiple cards. Like those two together are so good. Right. Yeah. Um, my second, I would say, is probably the medic because, I mean, like I said earlier, being able to cure th- three cubes with one action is pretty huge because threes are the most dangerous spots for obvious reasons. And uh, being able to get rid of all of them at once so that it's going to take at least three pulls of that card or three outbreaks around it to even get it back to where it's dangerous again is is pretty huge. For sure. Very true. Well, I can't disagree because I too believe. Josh, you have to pick two different ones that we haven't. <laughs> I was going to say we're going to get to six now. Motherfucker! <laughs> At least one other one. Well, I—I I mean, whatever. I hate—I hate the I do, expert. Can we talk like, about what I was, don't like. I was just going to say I actually do like the operations expert. Perfect. Yeah. Because if you don't have a dispatcher, uh, it's really nice just to build. Like I would. And when I play, I'll use him and just build research stations. Three, I use three turns and build a research everywhere I go. And then it just opens up so much shuttling. And if you don't have a dispatcher, it really does help you to travel around when he's just building research stations. I can see that. That's a good point. Yeah. And then I, I think my second, if I... I might go with, I, I do like the scientist. I know we haven't really talked about her and it's basically the whole point of that role is to collect cards. Yeah. You don't do very much else. Try to treat, but mostly the way I play it is you just try to get four cards with that person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one's a powerful one and also kind of a boring one to be, there's not like a fun thing she does. It's kind of just like pretty it's, mundane, but it's also like super helpful, you know? Right, it's more the tedious one because yeah. you're mostly trying to meet people on weird, obscure cities. So it's it's right. mostly trying to be creative to get to other spots instead of, uh, you know, like medic is looking to cure and treat, and everybody's kind of looking to treat. I I usually the scientist. I'm just trying to get cards. For sure. Right. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the I think the researcher or the scientist is super important to the game. Because you always you get kind of distracted by these side goals of curing cubes or eradicating diseases, which don't matter. Um, even curing cubes doesn't doesn't actually help you win the game; it helps you not lose the game. Correct. Uh, but the scientist the scientist becomes incredibly crucial because collecting cards is really hard. Actually, it's true. You only you get know? seven. Yeah. Trading and you is need hard. Five of them. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And trading is really hard unless you're the researcher. I mean, to meet up with another player like on a city where you have that city card is just like it, you know, you make it work as much as possible, but it's that's a difficult thing to do. Right. right. Especially when the best way to get to a city that you have the card of is Flying to play there. that kid. Exactly. <laughs> play that city exactly. to go. Yep. Right. So. Yeah, and it's hard to it's hard to justify using a card to fly anywhere when you're trying to gather gather cards you know right you it it is interesting that once you cure a disease then all of your cards of that color become 
flying cards. Yep. Fly cards yeah. right. Or your or your automatic discards, like when you're when you're above yep. eight. Right. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about strategy. This is AJ's wheelhouse. Let's do Baby. it. He loves it. Let's talk about strategy. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. this one's fun because it's like I said earlier. AJ, you get to go last. <sighs> okay, fine. No, just kidding. Josh. <laughs> it is a fun one. Um, I'm with Rob. I've never played a co-op game before, so that what's what makes it fun. Like the strategy is so different. It's very true. Well, like you sit down to a board. What's your every board set up exactly the same? You know, different countries have different disease cubes, but you got your rolls. You've got your pawns in the same spot. Right in Atlanta, everything is the same. So, what's your what's your first priority? I think just initially taking care of those initial three cities that have clusters of three infection cubes is like pretty huge but i think that's pretty i mean it's pretty obvious to like anyone and so like the whole goal of the game is just to collect cards really and keep the threes at bay i would say when some like when some strategy discussion gets a little more interesting it's when you've cured a disease and you have the ability to eradicate (laughs) and and or i'm just saying in in general i'm not even talking about the game we played Robbie, where oh. you fucked us. I'm talking about... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but no, I... Okay, so I've only played probably a dozen of these games. And I there's been so many times where we eradicated like two of the diseases. And then super late game on the last couple turns, when an epidemic comes up or an infection phase comes up those two keep coming up and it's just like not harmful to the cause at all so just feels super important so i think some people just like go for that and then some people are just like dude there's so many threes out there that are going to explode at any given time like we need to get those so i think i'm not even talking about like best strategy versus like you know not as good i think there's just like you know it's all good like you need to do it all but it's priorities you know that's interesting i think i have a very different because again when i look at it i definitely take the roles into account like when i sit down so i look at it i my very first thing is looking at cards um so i don't really care about those initial threes typically interesting i I look at what cure can we do the fastest Mm -hmm. so based on the player cards we get at the beginning and the roles we have. So again, if I have a medic, I really don't worry about those threes because my strategy is medic's going to take care of that and I'm more interested in card collecting. So again, if I I really try to think of who I have and if I don't have a medic, then I just try to find that like the researcher or the person who who I can just throw over on a city and trade cards no matter what. Gotcha. And use them to treat those problems. But again, I'm never, I'm never really worried about the threes to start. Sounds like maybe you're the reason we lost the other night. (laughs) (laughs) I I did infect Shanghai. I could see how the initial threes, you could say like, not too big a deal because if you get like, even if one of them gets redrawn, like a single outbreak is not going to kill you. I mean, you have eight outbreaks to work with. Um, It's more like when that gets crazy, where it's like a three surrounded by like a bunch of twos and like a bunch of threes. Yeah, that's true where it becomes way more important, where even Josh's strategy of like curing diseases, he's going to even be like, you know, like, fuck, we have to go take care of that spot at least, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. But again, I kind of let it escalate as long as I can. I don't know if that's a great thing, but it usually gives me a chance to figure out like, okay, we can, we can do something with blue 
so I can fly using a black card to to cure cure some to treat some diseases if I need to. Or again, I really just try to find the first one I can cure, and then I build around that. And then through drawing and other, that kind of usually for me sets up the next ones I want to work on. Uh-huh. But yeah, when I sit down, first thing I I want to do is see the first cure I can get as fast as I can, and then try to eradicate that one while I'm collecting cards. Dang. That actually reminds me of like a, a like a, maybe like a small sub question before Robbie, okay. you haven't got to answer Robbie, so we'll get to that. But um, I feel like there's a little bit of like a, a discrepancy on how people think about using cards to travel. Okay. Like my parents had never played last night and my dad was like, I was like, well, I'll just use my card to travel. And he's like, what? You know, like, why would you, like, we need cards to cure. Like, why would you just waste that card? And just like to travel, like you could just drive over there. Like maybe it'll take you a couple turns, but, and I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't have a couple turns. I need to get there, you know? And so I'll just use my black card. I'll travel to the black city, Baghdad or who, or, uh, or wherever. And he's like, yeah, but what if like, you know, like what if we're down to like needing one black card and like, it's because you don't have that card. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, that's a good point, I guess. I don't see myself needing that exact card, but it's kind of a cool thing to think about. Like, are you the type of player who like is willing to spend that card on flight and like getting around quickly or are you kind of a hoarder you know because you think like you know curing disease early on is you know super important i mean the other part of that question is building research stations as well because you use use a card to do that yeah totally so are you willing to expend a card to do some side to, to sort of maintain the game or do you hold them at all costs in order to cure diseases? Yeah, and honestly, all that gets turned on its head if you have somebody like the dispatcher, because if you can just like keep a player in the western in the western hemisphere to sort of be around Atlanta, then you can just always move somebody back to that research station, and you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know where we. I mean, I guess I can answer that question. I, for me, I don't. I think I side with your dad in that I would rather keep cards than spend them. I spend most of my time driving or ferrying around uh, if I'm moving and building. I definitely, so as, as far as flights go, I don't do that very often, but I definitely build research stations because I think being able to jump from research station to research station is is really critical. So I think that's worth it, but I don't think necessarily just like, I'm going to jump you know three cities over using my my card um, unless it's cured. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Like you, so, so if you're three cities away from say a city that has like a, an outbreak about to happen, like a three cube, like instead of saving an action, so you could fly and use that city card and then cure all three, you would rather travel, 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 and then just cure one cube, but then you get to save your card. I mean, I would say if it's the first turn, this is the other weird complex thing about this game is that if it's the first, if it's the first turn of the game, then I would absolutely not spend that card to go to that three because All right, that I card is not pulled. We don't have an epidemic. You know, it's definitely not going to pull until the next epidemic card comes out. And so I would never use that card to fly there. But if it's like, we've had an epidemic, it's in the mix. Uh, all of a sudden we could pull that card literally at the end of my turn and get a, an outbreak. Um, then I think it might be, might be worth it. Yeah. Uh, I can, I, I, I think you got, you, you have to remember there's 12 cards of each color and that's what I always think about. 
that that gives you seven for discarding or using other ways so right again i would much rather fly if i'm sitting on a card i would use it to fly versus get rid you know discard it because i have to draw two more so if i'm sitting on a bunch of cards and i know i have to like if i have six and i need i know i'm going to draw two more and i have something i could use that would be useful i'll use that card because you you will have to discard it so i would rather use it that's a very good point man i wish we would have had we've had one game playing together and now talking about this strategy thing, I think it would. Be, I wish we would have would have had like four or five more games, because or just had this conversation before we started, right? <laughs> we can yeah, see where we're all coming from. That's true. You're welcome to everybody listening, because now you have a leg up. Yeah, enjoy your victory. Now that when you show up to your game night this week, and you're like, let's play pandemic. Well, in in six months, when you show up to your game night, <laughs> and you want to play pandemic when we survive a, this a, pandemic and you then you go to yeah. a game night to play pandemic yeah you're gonna be like i listen to the bgsc podcast and so i'm gonna school all you bitches right <laughs> i know exactly what to do probably. i know all these three different <laughs> strategies i'm gonna use I know three all of them <laughs> i know all the best characters that are simultaneously the worst yeah josh is the most funny so i'm gonna use his strategy of, <laughs> i'm like curing very quickly <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I don't think I have a lot to add as far as strategy goes. I don't know. I think, I think I, uh, I think I fall into the cure threes first. I don't care about twos, but I care about threes. I, that's like my number one go-to get those out of the way because I know like I fall into the trap of, so let's just use an example. Lima has three. I fall into the trap of, I want to cure one off of Lima, but it's already been pulled. So I don't have to worry about it. So let's go do something else. But then an epidemic comes and then Lima's back in the pile and now Lima can pull an outbreak and so on and so forth. So I think I fall into the category of clear your threes, not even clear, get one cube out of your threes. I don't care about clearing them as much. Um, And then focus on things like transferring cards and who's got the best chance of clearing whatever color and so on and so forth. Gotcha. Cool. Let's leave strategy behind. And we are really racking up the time here aren't we? <laughs> yeah <laughs> why don't we discuss uh whether you should be drinking or not drinking while you're really trying to take this game seriously that's what i want to i want to throw in there like if you're trying to take this game seriously i love that this has become a staple question in our podcast <laughs> let's discuss a board game talk about the ins and outs discuss strategy and then as like a staple we'll discuss whether you should play it drunk or not <laughs> when you go to a game night you i mean the first thing you do is like you open a beer, you get a drink, you know? I feel like this is a perfect game to be drinking while doing it. Well, if you look at the current state of the, what we're doing right now, everybody's Instagram story is them sitting outside drinking. So I feel like during a pandemic, you should, you should be drinking. Totally. You know, why not? Also, I feel like just strategy game base. This is like, you have four other people to, to keep you in check here. So in an earlier episode, I talked about secret Hitler, which you have to lie and you have to like have a character and you have to like personify that character and you have to like lie to people and you can't fuck up. Cause if you fuck up, literally the game is over if right. they like find out who you are. But this one, like everyone can have, be having a great time. I feel like, you know, like if one person's like completely hammered, obviously like that, that sucks. Like that guy's not going to be any 
use to the team. But if everyone's like pretty drunk and having a good time, you still have like an entire team of people to bounce ideas off of and like figure out stuff. So I, I kind of think this is like the perfect one to be drinking. Actually, it definitely helps you escalate dialogue if you've been heavily drinking. <laughs> spurs, yeah, naturally. Spurs strategy debates. Robbie, explain to me why you wouldn't want to be drinking during this game. I think there are levels of drinking, obviously. Um, so if you're like super hammered, you know, you're trying to lay out your like six page, five turns away strategy, like you're just going to make a fool of yourself and it's not going to make any sense. You, I'm not going to clear and eradicate the red, guys. There's Sue and Lima. We're going to Lima. That's Thanks, exactly Josh. Yeah, We're playing you. Monopoly, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just buy well, Boardwalk, okay? There's fucking... Yeah. There's obviously real estate available in New York. That's where <laughs> we need to be building our hotels. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, so I kind of get that. I think my, my point... Was, out of it. Let's take it out of it. Because we all understand, I think, that any strategy game like this, if you're like the hammered guy, you're, you're, no, you've ruined the game for everyone. You know? Right. So we'll take that very extreme drunk out of it. Let's let's add in the tiny little buzz. Like you got, you've had a, a drink, maybe two. You've taken like the social, you've got the social lubrication going, so that you can just easily right. <laughs> slide. <laughs> Jesus, let's get really erotic. What kind of game night to get erotic with it? Yeah. All right. Why, why don't you socially? <laughs> don't make any funny jokes. I'm gonna cut it. <laughs> Don't cut it. It's fucking Don't awesome. Uh, what happens if we had to cut the under the table handshake? It's just <laughs> not gonna. Yeah. All right. Um, so you've got that going on. That's probably fine because you you've now you're willing to talk to people where maybe before you weren't, especially if you're playing with people who you don't know very well. Um, but I think it's a really fine line. I was playing a game the other night and we were drinking Rio Margs, which we all know pack a little bit of a punch. Did you guys get those to go? I read about that. Yeah, we did actually. We That's awesome. I want to do that so bad. I hope that based on this pandemic, that that just becomes a thing that people can do. It's right. Yeah. Well, it's okay. like, and it's actually like a ton, like, right. Like I read that you can do like five or 10 even. And they're like, they're like. Their thing was like, this is the loophole you've been searching for to bypass our three limit. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't see that, but that makes sense. Yeah, you you can order as much as you want. You can't get it delivered. Um, so like through Grubhub or or DoorDash or any of those, you can't they right. won't deliver the alcohol. But you can pick up whatever you want. Like you said, they would sell it in like five margarita bottles. Uh, and then you just mm -hmm. you add ice. They didn't have ice, so it wasn't like watered down or anything. Hmm. And uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. How did they? Did, so did the jugs get? Were they sealed? How did they get past that? Well, so no, they don't have to be. They don't have to be sealed. No, they've changed the law. So now, basically, you can just it's you can. They've extended it to where anything you sell, you can now do as to go or delivery, and it doesn't have to be like we can sell to go beers from our draft with just the plastic lid. <sighs> Where the fuck were we? Like, what are we even talking about? Oh, so we got Rio Margs the other night, okay? And so, yes, uh, Rio Margs are still as strong, even if you take them to go. And uh, I was starting to get a little buzz going. And it is so hard. Maybe it's just me. But you get a little buzz going that's actually, like, kind of that you're actually feeling pretty good. And you you can't really think through, like, two or three moves as efficiently, you know? Like, you just become crappier at it. 
and not everybody will. Some people will get better, but I think there is the chance that you get enough of a buzz going and you just won't be able to help your team like strategize as much. You get distracted. It's like adding a real world application, throwing a wrench into it. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Our researchers gotten drunk again. There should be a role called the drunk and you just have, you have so many powers, but and nobody can veto you. So you get drunk and whatever you say, that's, it's happening. <laughs> no, my turn. This is what I'm doing. That's like the extra hard difficulty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Six I, was looking, epidemics. I was looking on Lion Ike uh, board game geeks and uh, a lot of people have added like variation rules that you can just do yourself to make it different. And then oh, really? like, yeah, they've added roles. So there's like extra like roles you could come up with. Like one of them's Dr. House. And he can, <laughs> like, if it gets to towards the end of the game, he can just randomly cure one of the diseases. Like, he just pulls the cure out of his ass randomly. Like, the game. <laughs> but he can, That's like, he good. can only move three moves because he's got a limp, and he uh, <laughs> he can't share cards because he's he's not a team a player. Dick. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. I like that. that. Yeah, I it's kind of like it's pretty fun. similar to Small World, where they like the base game sends you with like blank, like blank roll cards, and you can write them in. Like yeah, yeah. we didn't talk about that in our Small World episode, but there's like blank power cards and roll cards where you can just write in your own. Yeah, that's yeah. Fun. All right. Well, I think we all generally agree. You don't want to be too drunk. A little buzz is probably good. Totally. I think four people playing this game who are completely wasted would have a really good time. Okay. Well, and probably, actually, and probably lose. That's probably, yeah, probably that's lose, true. but that's actually a good point. Maybe it's more about consistency. If you have one person who's like slightly off kilter, true. Like that ruins things for everybody. So maybe you all have to be about the same. Yeah. Agree. Okay. Let's talk about the number of people you prefer to play with. Well, one thing I found is having played a lot of two-player games and a couple threes, like playing a four-player game last night was pretty hard. Um, And one of the reasons was like you have four people now to spread all your cards out amongst. And so to try to get five cards of the same color to one single person becomes pretty difficult. Um, And and that inevitably is why we lost, is that we couldn't get enough cards to enough people to cure like in time. So... I found it. I found a four-player game to be pretty difficult compared to a two-player game. It's true, and you're going through cards at a much quicker rate, you know. But yeah, we ran out of cards between four people. So, yep, exactly. I have historically said that three people is the hardest. Um, That's been my my thing that I've told people pretty much since I started playing because I started playing with Jeremy and Tyler, my brothers. Yep. like a long time ago when I first bought this game. And for some reason, we could not beat six. Six epidemics with three people was by far the hardest. And I don't know, like, I wish I could go back to what what I was thinking at the time, but that just seemed the most difficult. I don't know that I had a lot of four-player games, but I kind of tried to articulate like why that would be and kind of think about that. And I think that it has to do with like exchanging cards. I think that for people, you can have like a, everybody takes on a color. And so even though it takes a lot more strategizing to make it happen, 
I think it's it's a little bit more manageable. Like Josh said earlier, like you have five, you have to have five cards to cure, and you only have a seven card hand. And if you have three people, right. that means you can only each be right. going for one. And then, you, like the other night when we played, we all went for our own colors. And then all of a sudden, we had a situation where we we're like, we got three turns left, and we got to cure blue, and everybody has two blues. You know, so yep. that's true. That's true. But just to jump in, I feel like you don't always get to decide who gets what color. So like last night in our four player game, like it would have been nice if all four of us would have had a, a, a different color, but the last two turns, you know, one player had th- like four red and four and sorry, four red and like three yellow and nobody else had anything. And we were all just trying to like get rid of our blacks and blues. And it was just like, it came down to one player who had to cure both. And we d- didn't have anywhere near the time for that, you know? So you don't get to really like choose. I mean, I guess if you start early enough, you kind of can like you just sort of decide, like I'm just going to collect yellows and discard everything else. As soon as somebody gets two cards, you're like, you're that person, you know? Exactly. You're getting you that color. Yep. And so when she had three cards, it was like, oh shit, well, you're the person for both of these colors. Even though there are four colors and four people, like we didn't necessarily have that option. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. It is. I mean, I think that the the real factor in in what makes it difficult is just how the how the cards are how the cards play out. You can have an epidemic back yeah. to back, and that ruins your entire game because right. guaranteed you're going to get some outbreaks right there, you know. And or you can have epidemics that are evenly spaced and everything works out super casually and like it's not a big deal. You never right. get two threes that are next to each other, so outbreaks don't matter. You know, it's like really luck of the draw. Right, I feel like we had an outbreak really early when we played the other night. Like within the first yeah. three cards or something, once we got into right. it. And yeah, that, I think that exactly. really gives you a low discard pile to put back on top. So it's like, yeah, gosh. Okay, there's three cards here. I'm taking two of those three, and one of those has already got three cubes. So hopefully. I think, hopefully. Yeah. I think in a way, I think in a way, an early epidemic can be helped like super early epidemic can be really helpful like if it works out that you can weather it and you can like you can survive it and be like healthy and like get through it because then you have a you know a huge deck with only you know whatever left like four cards left or whatever right um it kind of like tests you it kind of tests you early and it makes it like really hard um but if you can get through that then the rest of your game becomes a little more spread out so it can kind of be helpful if you can get through it right i could see that i think evenly spaced is is potentially the best you know yeah probably Maybe even like late like late is off i think late sucks like having two epidemics late or two well, cards what i mean is like one so you got your five let's say you're playing five epidemics you have five piles if they're each at the bottom of the piles then right which would be as late as possible as late as possible for so you get through an entire stack before you get your first epidemic yeah you can you're managing the board like crazy at that point you know yeah that's true how many games do you have you won would you say where like you have a lot of player cards left like having an epidemic in the last like four to six cards i feel like usually is pretty crippling yeah. but like if you've already gotten rid of it and you have like 10 or 12 left and you know for a fact you don't have any epidemics left. It kind of like lends itself to being able to figure out a way to win that game, seems like. Yeah, that's true. You just know. I mean, the more information you have in this game, the 
the more the better your chance right. of right. right. You know, it really true. lays into counting cards. That's <laughs> it does. It does. I, yeah, exactly. count cards, especially di- like discards. I definitely pay attention to colors that have been discarded. Yeah. Well, and you can the, that's a couple of couple of like pretty key like rules that they've written in. I think that really smartly because it would make it so much harder if you couldn't do these things. One, you can count all. You can look through the discard piles at any time, and that's pretty helpful. Can you do that on the Xbox game, Josh? No, doubt it. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you can definitely pick up and look through the discard piles. That's helpful. The other thing is, you know, we talked about like the drunk person kind of just going rogue and getting outvoted. It's written in the rules that you, the person whose turn it is, has their say. Yeah, like they don't have to right. anybody. Yeah. Right. Even the, even the dispatcher can't move somebody without their position. Yeah. Permission. permission. Right. Yep. So, yep. So at the end of the day, it's like whoever's turn it is, it's like your, your baby. That's a really big side note. But nice. We should probably meander towards wrapping this up. We're at like two and a half hours or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Final comments. Dude, I don't know. Do you guys have anything? Well, let's just. Go I don't forward. really. All right, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good discussion on on all those things. What do you guys think? Do you guys have any other questions or comments for this game? I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm good. I, d- I can't think I'm of good any. about it. Yeah, I feel like we've gone into most of the important aspects. I agree. Let's move on to some ratings. This is the first time we're going to do this. So if you've been following along with our podcast, this is our. This is our third podcast we've done. This is episode three, ep- episode one with Josh. So we're gonna we're gonna add something on to uh, this that we're gonna try to repeat uh, throughout. So uh, we're gonna each do our own rating, and we've kind of we've kind of decided what aspect of board gaming that we really like, um, and so we're gonna rate the game based on those things. All right, so let's do a let's let's get into this rating system a little bit. Let's do a rating system one through ten. Josh, why don't you start us off? Tell us about the replayability of this game. Okay, that's something that I think this game falls very well into it. Just the way it's set up, the way you play it, every time slightly different. Um, I think a replayability. I, I'm giving this game a ten. A ten out of ten replayability. A ten. A ten. I give it a ten. How many times? How many times during all the podcasts are we going to say that out loud? Every time someone says 10. The varsity list. Every time there's somebody. A A fucking 10. Based on my replayability, getting a 10. Robbie, what do you give the rules? Uh, Well, I, if you haven't noticed, love rules. I literally have the rule book. When I'm playing a game, I have the rule book like on my lap ready to go and looking at rules at all times. So I'm going to give this game a... (laughs) A ten, give it, give it a ten. Add a boy. Yeah. Anybody gonna? No, nobody. No. A ten. A ten. A ten. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a ten because, it, like, there's a lot actually that goes into this. There's two reasons I'm giving it a ten. Actually, one because there's a lot of moments where you have to go back to the rules and say, all right, should what should happen first, and the rules do a really good job of laying that out. And so you know exactly, should I do this outbreak or should I be able to use this card? Or I've never run into a situation where the rules have failed and you have to just like make a judgment call. So that's one reason. The other reason I really like this game is because I think the rules mimic a real life sort of epidemic or outbreak and, and, and pandemic situation 
with the cities outbreaking into other cities and they get bigger and then they outbreak to other cities and so on and so forth. Um, same thing with travel and how it takes you the, the four actions essentially mimic the idea of time in the game. And so it takes you time to get from one city to the next, you know? So I think that there's some cool aspects of the rules that will, um, that mimic real life. So I'm going to give it a 10. AJ, why don't you talk about strategy? Give us a rating on strategy of this game. All right. Before I give my rating, I'm just going to caveat this game a little bit because you're right. Caveat, uh, strategy is definitely my wheelhouse. And I'm usually talking about strategy in the context of like a game like Catan or Risk or Small World where you have to sort of like, based on playing several times, you sort of build up your own strategy and that gives you the best chance to win the game. And that's usually like versus other people. And this game is just like really different for me. I've never played another co-op game before. So strategy in this game just means something else. And so it's a little bit different to compare like this board game strategy rating versus maybe some of those other ones. Um, That being said, I'm just going to go with a nine. And the reason I'm going to go with a nine is that when I look at strategy, I think about how much does luck play a part in why you win. And so when you have like dice based games, then you can really see why like you could just get lucky and win. You know what I mean? And in this game, I've played, I've played lots of games where it really was like our strategy that like led us to victory. And so I think just based on that, it, it's just like a great strategy game where like you can have a good strategy and that will literally lend itself to wins versus, you know, just sort of being lucky anyway. And luck definitely plays a factor in this game. Why you give it a nine? As instead of a ten? Oh, instead of a ten? Um, I don't know. I just tens are that tens a high number, man. Tens like a really it's like the <laughs> highest number. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I um, perfectly relates to how you feel. 10. Yeah, I think I think it's a great strategy <laughs> game. I don't know if it's like my favorite strategy game, so I think I'm gonna just go with nine. Okay, that works. Awesome. So our right. average rating is nine point six. Repeating. Are we centers. going that far? I don't know. We're just Round. if we average if we average all of our well, ratings together, we're... three. Nine point six repeating. Close. So it's yeah. closest to nine point five. <laughs> if we go by decimals. True. If we're going, if we're going it's true. If we're going by decimals. Right. But since we have three of us, it's always going to be point three 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 or point six 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 no matter what we do. Unless we agree. Unless we agree. Unless we agree. True. <laughs> All right. Well, let's we let's. I don't. I yeah. Let's go five. So this is a nine point okay. five game. Nine point okay. five game. I like it. Down age. Um, I think it fits well, though. I mean, I would. I think that's yeah. Definite, this is a ten out of ten for you. Not a I perfect, mean, it's just like the, it's not a perfect game. It's it's yeah. really really good. Really really good. Yeah. Yeah. Great game. I would probably have my high. top five. Yeah. <laughs> what episode is this? Three. So AJ's got no. This is this is number four, and I've I have four top five games. That's so four. Okay, yeah. we're going to get the next one next time. So stay tuned for AJ's top fifth game. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then in that, in that moment, you'll make me rate them probably all. Yeah, exactly. Hold on for that. I'll, I'll probably mention my top 10 at that point. <laughs> all right, well, let's close this out. I want to invite everybody out there listening, uh, all of our 
so far loyal fans, I want you to feel free to contact us at a few different areas. So you can email us. Our email address is boardgamesocialclub at gmail.com. Feel free to email us with comments, questions, uh, suggestions, really anything at the sky's the limit. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is at BGSC Podcast. That's our our BGSC page. So like that page, follow that page for updates. Same thing with Instagram. It's Board Game Social Club separated by underscores. Find us on there. You can find pictures of the games. You can find stories about things that we've been doing while we're playing the games and contact us that way. We can direct message us however you you want to get a hold of us. You can also find our podcast on Apple, uh, Spotify, and of course our host site, Podbean. So come check all those things out. Give us some comments. Ask us questions. Um, AJ, tell us about our next game we're going to be playing. All right, so the next game we're going to shoot for is called Cult, and it's an awesome game. We're super excited to get into it. Um, If you guys have played Cult and you have an interest in it and you guys want to shoot us a couple of questions, we would love to get to some fan questions during our Q&A session. Um, Otherwise, yeah, look for that in a couple weeks. All right. Well, thanks for getting bored with us. We'll see you next time. See you later, guys. Adios. Adios.